Hey, what's up, guys? This is Avery Smith here, creator of Data Career Jumpstart and Snow Data Science. What's up? How are you guys doing? Hope you guys are all doing well. I'm introducing this new episode of the Data Career Podcast, and that is an interview with Matt Francis. Matt is awesome. Really cool guy. Data scientist at General Mills. Um, he started his career out in geology, and he slowly has changed his career into being a, a full data scientist. So absolute great story, very cool tips on how to break into data science, how to use projects to get jobs, how to lean on your background and how important your domain knowledge is. So you might think, oh, I don't have like the best background to be a data scientist. And that's total BS. doesn't matter if you have some sort of domain knowledge that actually might be more effective. We talked about boot camps and different types of boot camps that you can take because that's how Matt broke into data science was via, uh, I think it's a thinkful boot camps. We talk about boot camps a little bit and we just talk about what you need to do in, in your career and to, in order to enjoy it. Um, we also talk about running at the end because him and I both are, are, well, he's more of a runner than I am, but well, I dabble. So it was fun to talk to him about running. Um, yeah, hope you guys enjoy the episode. Definitely find Matt Francis on LinkedIn and connect with him. Um, really cool guy. And straight into the episode after a quick note from our sponsor. Welcome to the Data Career Podcast. Here's your host, Avery Smith. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 21 of the Data Career Podcast. Uh, we have an awesome episode for you here today. We have Matt Francis joining us. Matt, welcome to the Data Career Podcast. Hey Avery, hey everybody, thanks for having me. Yes, for everyone who is watching live, go, go ahead and say hello. We can see you in the comments. Um, and excited to have you guys. For those who are not listening live, hi to you guys too. We can't see your comments though. Um, I'm going to give a quick introduction for those who don't know Matt. If you're watching live or if you're on a podcast, go ahead and press pause and search Matt Francis on LinkedIn and give him a follow. Um, Matt's a really cool guy, really active on LinkedIn. Um, currently a data scientist for General Mills, and that's the company that makes some of my favorite foods, including Lucky Charms, Yo Play, and Pillsbury. I love Lucky Charms. Lucky Charms underrated. Um, He's worked as a data scientist for, how do I say it, Tessella? Tessella. Tessella, which is a data science consulting firm, as well as oil major ConocoPhillips. His undergrad is in geology from the University of Wisconsin-Madison, and then he's earned a master's in geology from Virginia Tech. Like I said, super active on LinkedIn and focuses on helping geoscientists and oil professionals to transfer or use data science skills in their career. So super excited to have Matt on the podcast. Really good resource for all of you, for everyone, but also specifically for geologists and engineers, specifically in the oil and gas field. That's that's his experience and excited to learn a lot from him today. Um, so anyways, thanks for being on the pod, Matt. Appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so we're going to get right into it. I would love to know how you got into data because we just went through your background, right? And geology is... You know, we heard a lot about geology there. How did you get into data? Man, I, I sort of just like fell into it almost. Um, and it was it was a product of the, uh, 
the insane commodity cycle that that oil and gas uh, kind of interacts with and and is the uh, the victim of almost. So I was laid off uh, from ConocoPhillips in in 2018. Spent uh, six years with them before that, doing a lot of different geology tasks, um, but but never was was coding was never really doing a lot of deep data analysis. Um, I mean, geology as a profession is like analytically focused. It's a it's a science. We we look at, interpret, um, and uh, you know make make recommendations based on those interpretations of, of various geology data, uh, whether it's rocks, fluids, um, or whatnot. Uh, and, but I, I didn't, I didn't have a strong like data science background coming out of ConocoPhillips. Um, after I was laid off, I, I was not thinking I was going to jump into data science. I, I was like, wanted to to get back into uh, a, another geology role for another oil company because that's that's what i was that was my label that's what i labeled myself that's what everybody else had labeled me um but after you know struggling to to find uh interviews and opportunities in in the geology space i i started you know thinking about what i could do in my time to skill up to make myself more attractive to oil and gas companies and make myself more valuable as a as a future employee um sort of fell into uh enrolling into a, a data science boot camp through a company called thankful um online based uh, boot camp and I, th- I think we'll probably talk to uh boot camps in a little bit but the the more i studied the more practice I, I, I did, um, you know, learning Python, learning machine learning, um, building analyses and machine learning models to um, predict things during the, during the course of the bootcamp, the more I fell in love with it and realized that what I actually loved about geology was not like the rocks. Um, it was more of the analytical framework and, and thinking uh, behind behind the work that, that I was doing as a, as a geologist. So at, at, at some point I, I had the realization that it was going to be easier to find a, an entry level data science job or analytics job than, than find another geology job in a very difficult, uh, oil and gas job market. Um, and sort of, uh, you know, hit the ground running and then shifted my job search from, from geology jobs to, to data science. Uh, and essentially started at Tesella as a data science consultant um, immediately following my my boot camp. Wow, that there's a lot to uh, unpack there. That's that's a really cool story. Um, thank you for sharing with us. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna touch on the the geology thing. So you said you didn't really like necessarily the rocks in geology, but you liked the problem solving behind it, right? Yeah. So I mean. The it's super nerdy, but like I didn't ever really care about petroleum systems or learning about oil rocks specifically. Um, and, and I had that slow realization. I don't think I actually really realized it well while I was employed as a geologist at ConocoPhillips, but looking back on it, I, I could certainly see 
myself be becoming less enamored with the actual day-to-day activities and and what I was having to uh, or being asked to think through as part of that job. So I, I still enjoy thinking about like earth systems and thinking about how the earth has evolved over the last four and a half billion years. But I wasn't getting that satisfaction out of thinking about oil rock specifically. And it's a super niche thing. Um, and, and for me to be saying that, that I like some rocks, but not other rocks is probably sounds weird to, to some people. Um, but that that's, that's kind of the, what I felt like it was almost like, yeah, I, I enjoy this broad field, but I don't enjoy doing this one niche thing and I'm comfortable enough walking away from that. Yeah. That makes sense. Did, did you find that your skills that you had learned, you know, through an undergrad and a master's in geology and then through, you know, six years of working, did you find that those geology skills transferred over into data science well or, or not really? Uh, so like the, the broad-based um, analytical thinking skills, communication skills, those sorts of things definitely do transfer. Um, but like I mentioned, I wasn't, I wasn't coding. I wasn't, I wasn't querying databases with SQL. I was as building um, visualizations in, in Excel and sometimes in Spotfire, uh, but I wasn't doing anything fancy. I mean, I, I built a couple of linear regressions in, in Excel and used those occasionally. But I, I mean, there there were no the, the the technical skills don't overlap really between the between the two professions. Um, at least they didn't when when I was employed uh, three years ago as a geologist. So there wasn't much for me to take from geology and 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 use that um, at least in in my day to day as a as a data scientist, like technically. But what I do have from that is the communication skills, is the strategic thinking. Um, a lot of the projects that I was working on as a geologist have um, had really long timescales. So from the from the moment I would work on a project, um, it might be six months, a year, five years down the road before that project would ever be potentially realized by the business. So it was always a strategic view on what work can we do today to impact the business in the future? And I'm taking that strategic level thinking um, into into my role as a as a data scientist and looking at what the business is doing now, and then thinking about how we can uh, enhance and enable that work to be done now, uh, but also looking towards the future and how we can uh, build something better for the business. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. So at least some of the the strategic thinking as well as the communications and just like problem solving analytical skills transferred well, but maybe not all the, all the technical. Um, uh, and let's talk about your, your first job outside of that boot camp um, at Tesella. Why were they interested in you? Like, how did you land that job? Did, did the boot camp kind of help there or what, what, what was the path to that first job outside of the boot camp? Yeah, so so Tesella is kind of a, a specialty data and analytics consulting company. Um, one of their core industries that that they serve is is energy and oil and gas. Mm. So they were really interested in my background as a geologist, as somebody with the technical understanding and their operational experience in the oil and gas sector. Um, 
as well as somebody having at least some elementary um, analytics and, and mach machine learning data science skills to, to go on top of that. Um, so so the, the background is what piqued their interest. Uh, my experience at the boot camp was uh, highlighted during the interview process. So I was talking through uh, a number of my different projects uh, and, and highlighting those uh, and apparently impressing them enough with, with the project-based work that, uh, that, they, that they handed me a job offer and I happily accepted. Okay, awesome. So I'm hearing a couple of things there. Well, well, first, yeah, I was curious about if if Tesella did data science in like energy or in geology. It sounds like that was that was true. So I think that's something that's good to highlight to people that even though if your background isn't in data, often that's that's often preferred because data doing data science for data science sake is kind of stupid. You're always trying to solve a business problem at the end of the day, right? And if you have the background, the business background or the domain background, and then you add these data skills, it can make you really valuable. And, you know, some companies rather have, you know, someone with domain skills with, with the technical skills added, but versus just hiring a straight data science, because like, if you, if you're a straight data scientist and you've never touched in the domain, I, I like to give this example. When I, I was at Exxon, so we have kind of the similar, you know, petroleum energy backgrounds. We had data science competitions, um, and most of the time, it was just like me as like the only like engineer versus all of these like IT data scientists. And we had one project where um, it had to do with like basically oil purity and just like oil properties, and they were always like, okay, so there's, there's a lot of sulfur in this oil. Is that good or is that bad? You know, and that's yeah. just something as an IT data scientist, you never understand the domain well enough versus as a chemical engineer, I'm like, okay, that's the first thing you need to know if you work for an oil company is that sulfur is bad for oil. Yeah. <laughs> and you just don't get the domain knowledge unless you have the domain knowledge. So right. I'm glad to, I'm glad to hear they saw that in you. Um, and just going back to the, the, the thing that also impressed them, you said it was mostly the projects that the projects yep. you had done in the boot camp. What, like, I guess, what projects did you do and, and how did you, how did you pitch them to this company? Yeah. So, I mean, uh, and, and I want to go back to the domain experience uh, in, in a little bit uh, because it's, it's a fascinating transition. My, uh, taking this new role in, in general Mills just a couple of months ago, but I think, well, we could touch on that a little bit later. Yeah. Sure. Uh, um, so like projects, I mean, Tesella is really keen on um, continuous learning and, and showing that, that you can continuously skill up, um, learn new things quickly. So what I actually did is, is I showed them a project that I was working on at the time. I, it was not complete. It wasn't finished. Um, it was a work in progress. So I, I walked them through, um, I think it was an NLP project that I was working on. That I had scraped some uh, transcripts of TED Talks from YouTube, um, and I was trying to classify them and see which, um, or see if I could classify them into certain topics uh, through uh, some, some uh, clustering. And then see if I could distinguish which topics uh, got more more views, more likes, more engagement. So it was a way to like try to help Ted uh, 
book more talks of, of things that would get more engagement. So that's that's the sort of logic that I was talking through. It wasn't that I said I I did this machine learning. I used this machine learning uh, algorithm to solve this problem that the bootcamp handed me with this data set that they also handed me. This was an open-ended do an NLP project. So I was like, okay, um, what sounds interesting to me? And it, it took me probably a week to find to figure out what I wanted to do for that project. Um, I hadn't seen anybody try to do this sort of project before. So it was, it was new to me to scrape the, the data. It was new to me to do the, the types of clustering that I was trying. It was new to me to do some of the NLP work that I was doing. And all of this was new. And I, and I kept iter- uh, saying that while, while I was presenting it. I'm like, I, I don't know if this is going to work. I don't know if this is right. But here's what I'm learning. Here's where I was like three weeks ago. And here's how much, how, here's how quickly I've skilled up. And, and here are my recommendations. And here's my path forward for the rest of the analyses. And I think that's what really struck them as, as something interesting uh, and, and important, especially in the consulting role where you're always jumping in and expected to deliver very quickly. Um, and and I, I think that's really what, what played strongly to, to their interests. But that, that goes into like understanding what the interests of each company that you're interviewing for are and uh, understanding how you can potentially weave a narrative that that will pique their interest yeah i i love that i love that uh the idea of doing not even having the project done you know that's so cool because i think a lot of people will have fears about sharing an unfinished project you know they'll have like imposter syndrome it's not good enough like i don't actually know if this is gonna work but you just kind of embrace that and that that seems that that was interesting to them um, I think that takes a lot of bravery, but I think it also shows humility, the the ability to continuously learn. You're like, I don't know everything, but I, I want to know and I'm going to try these things. Um, and I think also just talking through that probably was really impressive because I think a lot of the time when we're talking to recruiters, they're more curious about the way your brain works and the way you approach problems than how you have solved problems in the past. I mean, obviously they want to yep. see what you've done in the past, but they're, they're like, okay, well, how did you think through that problem? Because that's what's important to them, right? Yeah. And especially coming from like uh, somebody without experience. I mean, you're not going to have any any metrics to, to fall back on. You're not going to have any dollars and cents to, to say that you, you provided value into a company. So you've yeah. got to stand out somehow. Um, and actually, that's, that's not the only time that I've, I've showcased an unfinished project. Um, I, I did it... Uh, late last year when I was kind of interviewing for a number of different uh, companies during, during the time I was interviewing with General Mills, um, I essentially had a project idea that kind of fit the niche of, of this specific company. I, I had aspirations of, of getting like some sort of POC model out the door by the time I, I interviewed. Uh, but it turned out that I, I didn't have time in, in the week leading up to, to that interview. So I just laid out in a slide deck, you know, what my thought process was, what I was thinking about doing, um, and, and how, what this new sort of data product would be for that company. And, and this is, so you were applying for this company and you did this project just so you could basically talk to them about it during the interview. Is that correct? Yeah, that was, that was my goal. Uh, cause they won, they won another presentation or a presentation on some sort of project. Um, 
and I didn't have anything that kind of fit the bill of, of what this company does. So I was like, okay, I, I, I've got a cool idea for a project. Let me see if I can get something out the door. Um, I couldn't make that happen, but I, I had a lot of ideas. So I kind of messaged them up in, in a, in a nice slide deck, uh, and said, this is what I would do. Here's my thought. Um, I would try this and this using this data, uh, and here's where the value would be. And here's who the customer would be. I, I think that's awesome. Everyone who's watching or listening, definitely take note here. The, the idea that you can just, um, I mean, you can do this. You can always just apply to every single job the exact same way, right? Um, that's definitely a possibility. But if you really want to be really effective, you need to tailor your application to every job you're doing. And in this case, I mean, Matt went pretty far and he did like a project specifically tailored for this person he was interviewing for. Um, but you can do that with your resume. You can do that with your cover letter. You can shift things around to highlight different attributes of yourself so that you're more attractive to this specific um, interviewer that you're interviewing for. Um, so you might have, you might, you know, you might have, let's say you have five data science projects, but on your resume, you only have room for two of them. You might highlight the two that are most applicable to the industry, or you might make a six. That's really, you know, you, you think about what, what keeps this company up late at night? Like, what are they worried about? What are some problems they have? And then try to solve that problem for them. Even, yeah. even if you don't even complete solving the problem for them, just show that you've put some thought into it. Exactly. Um, I think that can go a lot of way. So that's, that's a great example, Matt. Everyone definitely follow Matt's example there. Um, I see we have a question here from Sadia that I want to take on, um, but I'll, I'll take it on after uh, we go back to a little bit about that domain knowledge. So you're applying for new, well, you, you get out of this boot camp, you apply for Tesella. They're interested in you because you have, you know, you're kind of new to the data science world, but you have some technical skills um, and you have a really good domain background. So they, they like you for that. They hire you, you work as, you know, a data science consultant for however many, you know, years. And I'm, I'm guessing you continue to learn as you're yep. going, right? Okay. Um, and then eventually you're to the point now where your domain background doesn't necessarily need to help you. You know, you, you took the first step and you got a job that you, you know, you could qualify for because you were kind of leaning heavily on the domain background. Then after being there for however many years you were, you no longer needed the domain background crutch. You could kind of apply for any data science position. Is that right? Yeah, definitely. So uh, that that's that's how it felt. Um, that's not that's not what I did. I wasn't applying to to every every company out there. So because I had a job, because I was employed as a data scientist, I I could then pick and choose. You know where you I wanted be, to go. You next. could be picky. Yeah, um, being picky isn't isn't necessarily great because you know if you you're just you're putting out less chances to to have interviews and, and to get positions um but yeah i mean moving from tesella doing mainly oil and gas consulting uh to general mills making uh grocery products food products cheerios lucky charms tricks yo play um, you know, there's, there's absolutely no domain experience crossover there. Um, so I'm, I'm now something like five months into this new job and I'm, I'm still soaking, uh, soaking up, uh, new information on a, on a daily hourly basis. Um, but that's okay because I, I know how to 
implement uh, solutions, how to talk to business stakeholders and get engagement from them, how to set strategic goals and get gain alignment. Um, so uh, it, it's it's not necessarily it's not necessary for me to have the domain experience. Um, but now I'm being asked to bring more of that technical experience into, into this position. How has it been? Have you liked it so far? Yeah, it's been really fascinating. Um, I, I now, when I go in the grocery store now, I I look at it completely differently. Um, you, you don't realize how methodically it is laid out and, and categorized. Um, so like, we, we think about like center store sales, which is like boxed goods. Um, and then, and then you've got the outer aisles, you've got refrigerated section. Um, I mean, you, you, you know that when you go into a grocery store, but you don't think about like how a business categorizes things and how they cluster things together. Um, and you don't also, you also don't realize that like the sales that, that you see at grocery stores, those are not put on by the actual grocery stores. Um, the, the producers of that food pay for that sale in the grocery store. So when you see Lucky Charms, uh, like two for four, um, that's, that's General Mills paying Walmart or Target to put that promotion on. So actually that's, that's like a large part of, of what I'm doing is trying to optimize those, those sales, those promotions in order to, to drive uh, greater volume of, of sales and, and bigger revenue. But um, yeah, I mean, trying to huck Cheerios is much different than trying to do POC oil and gas machine learning projects, which is completely different than doing uh, oil field exploration. Yeah. Wow. That's interesting. Um, yeah. And I, now I'm going to think of the grocery store a lot different. Um, I know I've done uh, a homework problem kind of about like grocery stores and what's bought in pairs, you know, like you, whenever you buy cereal, you're probably buying milk. Um, and where do you want to put those items? You know, how do you optimize those items best for your store to, to make profit and stuff like that? Um, I guess, is there any other like gen, I know you probably can't get into specifics, but like general ideas that you're working on currently for general mills that you can speak on. And if not, maybe talk about an example of how data science was used at like Tesella kind of for geology, if, if there's anything that you can speak on, I know that that kind of gets iffy. Yeah. So, I mean, at, at General Mills, uh, the most of what I'm doing is, is supporting a, an in-house application that, that we've built um, to optimize our, our sales at grocery stores. Um, I mean, other things that we do are, are like more manufacturing related to so how to optimize the throughput of a manufacturing line. Like we make uh, old, old El Paso is one of our brands. So how do we, how do we make tortillas with less waste uh, product? Um, so there was, there was a POC pro- project that went on uh, last year with a, with a camera over the assembly line. It, it uh, estimated the, the diameter of the tortillas coming off the line. If, if they were outside of spec it would send that message up up the line, and the the machinery would automatically resize mm. the the press to eliminate waste, uh, which saved hundreds of thousands of, of dollars, I think, uh, annually on on 
tortilla manufacturing. So uh, that that was one example from 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 us. Um, in in terms of geology, it's it's actually difficult, and and part of the reason it's difficult is because I've been out of game now for three years. Um, but I think geology is one of the fields that's going to be most difficult to to implement data science solutions for um, because it's got a a, a data problem. Um, G like rock data is super expensive to get and it's super spatially uh, variable and 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 limited in quantity. So I mean I was working offshore Gulf of Mexico exploration. We had something like 50 different wells that that penetrated the the sections that we were interested in. So you're thinking about the whole Gulf of Mexico but you've only got 50 samples um to to use to base your models on you're you're not you you don't need machine learning to to do that you can mentally hand handle uh that quantity of of data and and do some simple statistics based off of that um what's more interesting from a from a data science perspective in in oil and gas is um the the chemical stuff that that you would have been interested in every uh production trends um stuff that is more operationally based where you've got sensor data coming in every second every half second every minute even even daily data is is much more uh there's there's so much more of it to do more things with than than you do of like actual rock data um and then kind of in the intermediate spaces uh, fields that are adjacent to to geology. This is going to be super niche just to oil and gas folks, but things like petrophysics, reservoir engineering, and uh, geophysics, where you do have a, a better sampling of the subsurface with more continuous data. Um, that is where I've seen kind of the most activity um, in terms of, of data science applications, because you do have that data to to actually utilize. Yeah, that that makes sense. You have to have data to do data science. So if you have limited data, yep. that makes it hard. Okay, thank you for sharing. The tortilla thing was was really cool too. Um yeah, super fascinating. I'll I'll think about that more when I'm when I'm eating my tricks in the morning. What <laughs> yeah. data science went into went into making this. Um okay, great. Let's transition a little bit back to education and career building. Um I wanted to get to this question here from from Sadia. Um, can you talk a little bit more about the advantages of going to a boot camp versus an online master's program? And and I have some thoughts on this, but I'd, I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. Yeah, sure. So uh, there's like two two main things that I think of um, when when thinking about uh, kind of an a pivot an educational pivot into into data science. So that's kind of speed and cost. I think, um, uh, I mean, a boot camp is going to be is going to be faster, and it should be cheaper than than a master's program. It's definitely not going to have the depth, and probably not the quality that uh, that a master's program is going to have, um, just because it's it's wrapping up in in 20 weeks or something rather than two years. Um, that being said, I do think there's a place for boot camps. Um, 
I don't think that they're for everyone, um, but they can be used quite effectively. I mean, I'm, I'm an example of that. Uh, I, I think the, the, the people who should be doing boot camps are either, either those that have some uh, technology background, uh, coding experience, um, or like a STEM degree, somebody, somebody that's a highly analytical thinker uh, will probably do just fine in a boot camp scenario. Uh, a master's program is, is better off for people that are coming from uh, further afield. The, like, the, I don't know, the artists, the English majors, the, the people without tr tr traditional backgrounds. Um, that's where you're going to probably see the most benefit of, of doing a master's program. Yeah, th this is pretty interesting because you've done a boot camp and I've done a master's program. Um, so <laughs> it's kind of funny. Together we have kind of, uh, I guess, dueling educations. Um, and it's hard to really know fully what the other experience is, you know, because I've never been in a boot camp, right? And I know you've done a master's, right? Um, right. Did you do that? Did you do that full time, like in person? The, the masters? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. In, in geology. Yep. Yeah. So it's also interesting because I did my master's online part-time. Mm -hmm. um, so there's just differences there. Um, I agree with what a lot with a lot of what you said. Um, don't think boot camps are for everyone, but I definitely think there's a good place for them. Um, I do agree that I think if you have um, a STEM background, specifically, like if we were going into science and engineering, like I just think, I think they make great data scientists. You, those analytical skills, like we talked about earlier, transfer really well. Problem solving transfers really well. Um, you know a lot of the math, or at least you can learn a lot of the math. Um, I think that's very true. Um, I'm, and I'm going to be posting a little bit more about this in the future. I'm a little disappointed with my masters, to be perfectly honest. Um, it, it was okay. It was an okay experience. It got worse as it went on, which is interesting. Um, it's and I went to I went to Georgia Tech and it's it's one of the best like online masters for data science that there is. So it's not like some crappy program. It's a good program, um, but I think they they scaled pretty large and it was pretty difficult for them just to like keep up with the amount of numbers they were having in the course. I didn't find the teaching particularly engaging. Um, I had one course where they like pretty much taught you nothing and you were just supposed to Google everything, which which is fine. I actually like that. Like yeah. I think. I think you can that's do that. That's what I do. Yeah. That's, that's, <laughs> that's real job. life. Yeah. And I'm, I'm fine with that. Like I'm actually okay with that, but it was just, it was a little sporadic all over the board. Um, so anyways, I think, I think both can be good. I think what you said is good. The, the price point and the time it takes is, is, is really big. Um, yeah. Price point's huge. Cause sometimes a master's is more expensive. Like they can be like 40 grand. Right. And sometimes like at Georgia Tech, it's 12 grand and yeah. a, a boot camp can be 20 grand. So yeah. it, there's definitely price points there. Um, one thing that I'm, I'm trying to do to help people with this is I'm basically taking the good out of the Georgia Tech analytics program and do my own boot camp. It's going to be $2,000, which is, which is a lot cheaper than, you know, most boot camps. Yeah. Um, so I think there's, cause I definitely think you don't need a master's. I don't think you need one unless you want one, you know? Yeah. So, and, and, and let's, 
the like the unasked question is like which certificate is better and and i i hate that question the the certificate doesn't matter um it's your skills that do the the masters might get you noticed more often during like the hr screening process um but but at the end of the day i'm i'm of the opinion that that either one is is fine and and i don't think the certificate the name on the certificate doesn't matter as as long as you're on there somewhere yeah the the certificate and you have a post about this i think it's even in your your featured section maybe i don't know um that basically says i'm sick of people posting their certificates they don't matter um and that's so true and that's the whole point i'm trying to think I don't, I don't, I'm looking at my office trying to find my diploma. I don't know where my diploma is for, yeah. for any of my degrees. I actually know? know where mine is, but it's still in the box. Okay. Uh, it's a piece of eight, paper. Eight years later. It's a piece of paper. No yeah. one cares about a piece of paper in tech now, you know, what they care about is what you talked about, your projects, right? You said even your boot camp, it wasn't the certificate that made them interested or, or maybe it, maybe the boot camp helped you get through the HR screening, like you said, but when it actually comes down to getting hired, it's, it's the projects that you've done. Um, and so that's, that's one thing I'm really focusing on with, with data career jumpstart is there's no homework ever, you know, there's zero homework. There's only projects. And that's how we learn everything is by you do a project. So you want to learn Python? Great. We're starting right in with the project. You don't get a warm up. We're just doing a project. Um, and then you add it to your portfolio. And then when you, when you get an interview, you know, you have, you have your project that you can present to someone. So yeah, you're totally right. And I love that post from you that don't post your, don't post your certificates, post your projects. Yeah. It's a, it comes off a bit harsh. I mean, I'm, I'm proud of you for putting in the effort to get that certificate, but at the end of the day, show me, show me the skills, show me the value, show me what you've learned. Don't show me the piece of paper. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, I love that. That's, that's a good, good, good point. Um, did have a question here from a LinkedIn user, Matt, which boot, boot camp did you go to? So I used uh, thinkful. Um, they've kind of diversified their offers now. So what I took was, I think what they call the, the, the flex option. Now the data science flex option. Uh, it's supposedly part-time, but I was doing it full-time. Um, but it's pretty comparable from what I've seen to things like Springboard and um, Flatiron are two comparable offerings. Um, so yeah, there, there's there's a number of things that I think you should look out for when when if you're looking at the bootcamp option. That one, that's kind of one-on-one mentorship. Um, two, you want something that is um, lengthy don't do something like that's like 10 weeks or something that's not enough time to to gain the skills if you're coming from essentially zero you want something that's at least three or four months probably like six months i mean it took me six months to get through the thankful boot camp um and then some career coaching at the end uh to help you uh revise your resume fix up your linkedin profile and get you ready to convey um, your specific reasoning for making the pivot into data science and, and help you with that narrative from, from A to B. Yeah, that, that's a huge one. I see a lot of boot camps that will teach you the technical stuff, right? Um, but they don't teach you the, some of uh, the helpful tips in your career building, um, which, is, which is half the battle, you know? Um, yeah. and, and so the, and they actually go hand in hand, in my opinion. If you can 
builds projects and then put them in a portfolio, you really increase your resume. You increase your personal brand. It just helps you so much more. It, no one wants to talk about a resume, but if you, like you talked about earlier, you know, oh, you did a, you know, a Ted talk, YouTube screening and clustering on that. Oh, that's interesting. Tell me more, you know, but if, but if you just write that as like a sentence on your resume or, or if you just say, Hey, I learned clustering, um, then it it doesn't, doesn't really help. Falls flat. Um, yeah. Okay. We had uh, a couple, couple questions. We have one here from Sunita. How can I learn more about the bootcamp? Um, you can check out datacareerjumpstart.com and sign up for updates there. Um, and then if you want to search any of the flat iron or you could just search them on Google, they're, they're, they're very good at spending, uh, ad dollars for yes. Google AdSense. They, if you, if you Google data science bootcamp, they'll be at the top guaranteed that, but, but for mine, uh, check out datacareerjumpstart.com. Um, we also had Scott Taylor stop by and say hello. And he was asking about the state of data science at general mills. Is it in good shape, Matt? Do we have anything to worry about? Uh, no, uh, thanks for the question, Scott. Um, data science at General Mills is uh, kind of booming business right now. We are, um, I think there's a little bit of a, of a pause, but we are basically uh, continuing to, to ramp up quickly. We've got uh, a, a global kind of data science footprint and we are, are I mean, the, the project that I'm supporting, uh, the, the, the dollar value on, on the on the investment from the business during this current process is in the billions. So any, any small improvement in that is, is big, big dollars. Um, and there's a lot of other low hanging fruits still left to grab. So we are um, rapidly maturing. I would say we've got kind of an enterprise data organization of something like 300, 350 people. Um, wow. Data science is just one one small component of that, but we build out, um, you know, project teams, product teams to to develop internal solutions and and help the business uh, be more nimble, be more efficient, and uh, generate more value for the shareholder. Sweet, that's good to hear, especially for my lucky charms. That's what I like to hear. <laughs> yes. Um, we had another question from a LinkedIn user. Any thoughts on data incubator? I've never heard of that. Have you? Uh, no, is, is that a, is that a bootcamp? I'm, it's I'm prob- not sure. It's probably some sort of, some sort of bootcamp, but sorry, LinkedIn user. We, we do not know. Um, but like we said, make sure if you're taking a bootcamp, you know, it has, it has good technical, it has what you want to learn, has a good price point and it has career, um, applications or career help. I think, I think those are the, the big check marks to have. Um, okay, switching into, I mean, I guess we're already here, um, but talking about a little bit more about your career, um, what is your biggest, what's your advice to, I guess, anyone, but specifically engineers and geoscientists who want to break into data science? What's your suggestion to them? Uh, I would ask you if you actually do want to break into data science. Um, I mean, everybody now says that they want to do that. They want to be... Uh, more diversified in their skill set, either to to expand their their roles and responsibilities in their current job title, or it is to pivot into into data. But I think what goes unasked too often is is like, do you actually want to be a data scientist? Um, and I and the reason I ask, I would ask that is, um, data roles are so much 
more widely varied than just a data scientist. And it's, it's not, it's not just data science. I, I mean, actually to, to be, to be truthful, I don't do all that much data science in my role right now. Um, but I'm a data scientist in, in job title and, and that's fine. It's, it's, I actually like what I do. I like how I, uh, help the business, but, um, you know, there's data analysts, there's data engineers, there's um, uh, BI visualization experts. There's the the spectrum is huge. Don't get narrowed in. Don't get siloed into thinking uh, it's data science robust. So you know, consider consider a wide options um, in in your roles. And that's, I mean, the the more that I've have a space on uh, my layoff and. 2018, the the more I realized that I was so focused on being like, I well, I went to school as I uh, got a geology major, geology masters. I'm a geologist, damn it. Um, but that was just tunnel vision and and oh, having your your blinders taken off, seeing the world as your oyster, and 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 finding out what you actually want to do and how you can best impact. Uh, a business or a, or people like like you've just uh, taken off from Exxon and, and started this consulting business and, and this boot camp. So you know, don't don't silo yourself is is my is my main uh, my main point there. Yeah, I think I think that's actually really interesting. You actually brought it up at the beginning of the podcast. You were like, I labeled myself a geoscientist. I was a geoscientist, and I think sometimes. We have the opposite problem now where I am not a data scientist, so I do not do data science. And that's just wrong. Data science <laughs> is, is for anyone. It's for everyone. It's like saying that mathematicians are the only people who can do math. It's like, no, you know, business people use math. Scientists use math. Engineers use math. Like for me, data science is more of a mindset than it is a title. And I think I think it often... People just think of it as a title and not like as a mindset. Um, so yeah, I, I, I love that advice. Um, okay, what about advice um, separate from separate from data? Just like what's good career advice that has served you well in your career? Um, well, man, we got these these questions mixed up. That that was that was my answer. So if okay, okay, so so let me let me pivot then. Okay, if, if you do want to go into data science. Uh-huh. <clears throat> um, you don't need to learn everything all at once. Um, you don't need to be an expert in NLP, in deep learning, in visualization. You don't need to know every statistical test there is. You don't need to know how to implement every single method in sklearn. Um, you need to do some foundational work to get yourself up to what is entry level. And what's entry level at Facebook or Google what's talked about most broadly in, in, on the internet, um, like how to, how to crack the code interview. I would fail all of those interviews all of the time. Um, so you can be perfectly, uh, valuable to a specific company without meeting the mold of, of a Google data scientist. Yeah. Uh, a hundred percent. Super true. There's different, yeah, you don't need to be like the best data scientist on planet Earth 
to get a data science entry job. That that's definitely not the case. And you don't have to know ev- and know everything. Um, I'm like we talked about NLP earlier. For those who don't know, NLP is natural language processing, and it's like machine learning on text, like written text. And I'm not great at it. You know, I'm not that good at it. Um, but it's okay because I data science, like we talked about earlier, you even said there's like, okay, there's data analysts, there's data engineers, there's visualization experts, there's more roles than just data science. Well, even data scientists, even just inside the term or the role data scientist, there's so many different roles that you could be. You could be a computer vision, you know, specialist. You can be an NLP specialist. You can be a data visualization specialist. Like, there's so many roles inside of data science and just the data realm is so, so broad. You don't have to know all of it perfectly. If you specialize on one thing, if you're like the best cloud, you know, data scientist there is, you can make such a good living only being good at one part of data science. That's totally allowed. Yep. For sure. And, and, and don't just jump into the, into the industry because you're chasing the money because it's there, there's more to it than that. Yes, exactly. I, I came out with a YouTube video recently that, um, oh wait, is it not released yet? I can't remember. There's five <laughs> reasons. It's five reasons that you should, that you should want to be a data scientist and, um, money I think is number four on the list. Like the, the pay is good, you know? Um, but there's other things, namely for me, the ability to be creative and like do something that I actually really enjoy. Um, it's just, it's just awesome. Um, okay. couple questions or a couple comments here. Um, we have Derek, a lesson I found to be true is ideally you should have a more specific goal than be a data scientist. Totally. Yep. Pick a time, pick an industry, you know, maybe not even, maybe, maybe you make it a little less specific too. And maybe it's not data scientist. Maybe it's have a data career and, uh, it could be a lot of different things. So I agree with that, Derek. Um, also comment here from Dustin. The awesome thing is that if you identify an opportunity to solve something and make a decision to care about it slash set out to solve it, there are so many folks that can help in technical areas where you may not personally have expertise. Definitely true. For sure. Google and Stack Overflow, best friends. Yeah. So like, <laughs> have, have, have a specific project in mind, like Derek's point, and then, and then make a decision to care about it to Dustin's point and then and then you'll you'll have something awesome to talk about in your in the next interview. Totally. Um well <laughs> awesome. Thank you, Matt. This was this was really good advice. I think hopefully everyone listening, you you wrote something down that you're gonna try. Um, you know, try to follow Matt's uh career. Even when we were talking, I was thinking about doing a LinkedIn post about Matt's, you know, evolution because he got the skills, landed a job that utilized his domain, continued to develop the skills where he no longer needed the domain and then landed a full data scientist job. I think that's a great path. That's very similar uh, to, what, to what I did. Um, and yeah, I think, I think that's, that story is really great. I did want to get you out, out of here on a fun question though. Right. And uh, let's, let's talk about running, Matt. You've been running okay. recently? Yes, I, I, I picked up uh, my running. I, I was in a little bit of a lull had an injury, uh, some acute tendonitis after I ran the, the Houston full marathon in, in January, but. Oh, wow. Congrats. Now, now I'm training for the twin cities marathon in October. Oh, nice. That's, that's awesome. Uh, how many marathons have you done? Um, I guess 
two officially for races, and then one I was just running um, with some other buddies. Oh, that's that's awesome! Uh, I think that's so cool. I'm I'm trying to get into running and be like Matt. Um, what what do you feel like? Well, I guess why do you run? I have actually hold on. Let me see. I have this book. I want to show you. I bought this book. It's called I Hate Running and You Can Too. Yeah. How to get started, keep going, and make sense of an irrational passion. Um, so I guess, do you hate running first off? And I guess if you do, why do you keep doing it? I, I do not hate running. Okay. Uh, I think if you hate running, you should slow down. <laughs> uh, you're probably running too fast. Um, no, so, so running is something that I started in like uh, junior high. I was on the cross country track teams then. Um, and it's something that's kind of ebbed and flowed in, in my adult life. But um, I enjoy that it's simple like you literally just put on some shoes put on some shorts and you can be out the door and and go go run and and the simple fact that you doing that is an incremental step of being better at running so like i've got some goals floating around in my head um like running specific goals and and per 80% of, of what I need to achieve those is, is just put on some running shoes, some shorts and go out the door for an hour. And, and that's, that's all I need. Um, I mean, it's, it's super simple. There's complexity that you can add in different types of workouts and whatnot, but I, I love that it's a simple activity that I can directly track the progress I make towards my goals, timing myself, doing track workouts, whatever. Um, but it's also a way for me to show my um, – it's not so much motivation, but I have uh, – it, it's now like just part of who I am is, is I sleep in my running shorts. I get out of bed, and I go running right away in the morning. Um, it, it's habit at this point, um, and it's something that, that I try to have as, as – I guess sort of a bedrock in my life in is this is what I do. I could see the progress I make. And I know if I just, you know, transfer that kind of mindset, that mentality into other things that I do, I will incrementally get better. So it was the same thing with data science when I was studying uh, in the boot camp. Okay, I just have to spend, you know, eight hours a day studying this and I will incrementally get better. And I, I could track that progress by looking at my code from two weeks before and see how much better I got. I can, <clears throat> and, and it's, it's like that with any other skill. So uh, running is just a simple application of stimulus and response. And, and you can see that improvement over a very short period of time. So you think it's helped you in your life outside of physically? Uh, it's, it's, it's a time where I get to shut off my, my mind. I actually, I don't have like, I don't usually have an internal monologue going about how much I hate running or how how like how much pain I'm in unless I'm doing a workout. Um, but it's so yes, it it helps me clear my mind for you know an hour a day or whatever. Um, it also um, you know I want to take those learnings from from my habits of, of running and translate those into you know professional life. And that's something I'm working on. I'm, I'm, I'm less good at it professionally than I am with running. No, that's a hundred percent true. 
Um, and I've seen that in my life. Last year, um, I was trying to figure out what I was going to do with my career. I was applying for new jobs. I wasn't happy at Exxon. I was toying with this idea of, of starting my own business, um, but I was, I was pretty nervous about it. And it just seemed risky and, and kind of hard. And so one day, uh, I was in Utah at the time, uh, just, just visiting. At like three o'clock, I was like, oh my gosh, um, I really wanted to hike this mountain, Mount Timpanogos. And my trip was coming to an end. And I was like, if I don't hike it today, I'm not going to hike it. But the thing about Mount Timpanogos is it's like an hour drive there, an hour drive back, and like a six to seven hour hike. And this is at three o'clock. And I was like, okay, so two hours of just driving, five, and then like a seven hour hike. That puts me at midnight. And I was like, oh my gosh. All right, I'm, I'm just going to do it. Yeah. And so I started at four o'clock and everyone's walking down and I'm walking up. Um, and I got to see the sunset and like it was super hard and it got really dark and I hiked the rest of the way down in the pitch black. Uh, and it sucked, honestly. <laughs> But I survived and I knew, I knew after doing that, I was like, you know what I can do, I can do hard things and I can do, do spontaneous things. And I actually promised myself I was going to start a business at the top of the mountain. So I, I totally, I understand where you're coming from. Um, I love that. Um, I had a quick question here from Charles. What's your five day, five K time for cross country? Uh, unfortunately it's still my, my high school PR is 1836. Fast. I, uh, I should have, I I was planning on, uh, beating that, um, this spring, but after I got injured running the the Houston marathon, I I couldn't, uh, couldn't use that fitness to, to do like an 18 flat 5k or something. Well, man, I, I think that's impressive. My 5k right now is like 30 minutes. (laughs) So maybe, maybe, maybe I am, I am not running too fast. Maybe I'm still going slow. Well, I mean, the, the, the whole thing with running is you're, you are always faster than somebody on the couch. True. A hundred percent. That's a hundred percent true. Um, anyways, awesome, Matt. Thank you so much. Love talking data with you. Love talking, running with you. Um, loved hearing your advice. I hope people, you know, do projects, they talk about it. They stop posting their certificates and post their projects. Uh, they think about, okay, do I actually want to be a data scientist or am I more interested, you know, in business intelligence or, or data engineering and just think about that a little bit. And, and yeah, hopefully, uh, hopefully we can help some engineers. This helps some data engineers and uh, geoscientists figure out their path a little bit. Uh, so thank you so much for joining us on the Data Career Podcast. Yeah. Thanks for having me, Avery. It's been, uh, it's been a blast. Yep. Okay, everyone. Thank you guys so much. Follow Matt on LinkedIn. um, And yeah, look forward to talking to him again in the future. All right. See you guys. Bye-bye. Bye. With that, the podcast episode is over. I hope you guys enjoyed it. If you are enjoying this podcast, please give us a review and a rating on Apple Podcasts. And also send it to someone else a coworker, a friend, a family member that is interested in data or interested in in career building. That would be greatly appreciated. As always, if you haven't checked it out, please go to datacareerjumpstart.com. This is my new course that I'm launching and aim to help data or help professionals transfer their careers into data careers. It's going to be an awesome course, data science bootcamp, very comprehensive at a fraction of the cost of a master's degree or regular data science bootcamp. So I'm really excited about this project. 
uh, go check it out, datacareerjumpstart.com, and send it to someone that you think might be interested in having a data career. Until the next episode, guys, see you later. Bye-bye.